morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. Series last week, and we'll be getting a new one this Sunday, and it is entitled Meat Eater. And so, uh, I don't know if you watch Netflix, but uh, there is a hunting program on there that is called Meat Eater, and uh, I just really like it. It's a guy from Michigan, and so you kind of can relate for the fact that he's from Michigan, but it's just a a really good program, and and again, just kind of challenges you in some areas of hunting, and so it really has got got the juices flowing this year. And so just in answer to some things that God has been stirring in my heart, uh, again, we're going to look at this subject of what it is to be a meat eater. Amen? And today is simply going to be a foundational uh, message, and upon today, it it will... It will set the foundation to build upon all the coming weeks in this series that we begin to share with you. But speaking of being a meat eater, how many of you know, again, that this is, is turkey week, right? I mean, we're getting ready to eat some meat this week. And uh, I find it interesting, the fact that this is turkey week, and we're probably, for the most of us, are going to be making a turkey, whether it is you're frying it, baking it, or whatever it might be. Maybe you're stuffing it. I don't know. But it, Isn't it funny how it seems like this is the only time of year that we actually do turkey? I mean, I don't know about you, but it's the only time that we actually cook turkey. I don't know that I've ever had turkey since the last time I had turkey with the holiday, right? Isn't that funny? But there's something about this holiday or this season that days prior to it, you start to crave it, man. It's like, man, I can't wait for some turkey. Can't wait for some, you know, maybe you're a drumstick guy, maybe you're a breast guy. I don't know what you like. You just, you like certain things. You man, I like that cornbread dressing and some of you may like that cranberry stuff. Like, wow, whoever, whoever came up with that cranberry stuff, like, golly, that's just horrible. But anyways, there's, we just crave it, right? There's opportunity or there's occasion that simply provides or promotes an opportunity for us to be meat eaters, Right? In fact, for that being said, this is just a side note because I got to thinking about my, uh, <laughs> my sister-in-law. She's coming in from Chicago, and uh, she always tries to present herself as though she's a very health-conscious person. And so anytime we've ever had breakfast, you know, you got to have turkey bacon. It's like, what in the world is turkey bacon? I mean, there is no such thing as turkey bacon. I mean, it's like uh, flavored cardboard, you know. It's... <laughs> it's it's processed meat with some dye in it that makes it look like bacon, you know. I mean, if there was anything unhealthy, it's processed, dyed turkey bacon, right? <laughs> anyways, that's just a side thought. But anyways, <laughs> we, we have an opportunity to partake. But let me ask you, when it comes to your diet, do you have a good diet regiment I, I don't know if, if you're good about eating. Some of you are, you know. Maybe it's really easy to go through stints of times where you can be disciplined. But, you know, it's real easy to give in to temptation. At least I know it is for me. You know, and with my kids, uh, with my kids in our household, we could live on cheese pizza for six days out of the week. 
you know, and then my, my oldest daughter, she likes just plain cheesecake. My son, he likes brownies, you know, just uh, nothing healthy in our, in our house. What you actually crave is things that aren't healthy for you. I mean, man, maybe we can come up with a brownie cheesecake or something. That sounds pretty good. <laughs> we combined the two of them. But nevertheless, there's always something that we're craving. And when it comes to a diet, it's simply through discipline, if you will, that causes you to eat the right things. You know, I was thinking about my grandfather. I just was at a funeral yesterday, and, you know, it just seems like whenever you have those times, you think of individuals, and then again, thinking about just what we're sharing on this morning. I was thinking about my grandfather, and uh, he was a diabetic. In fact, he was a diabetic for as long as I can remember. I mean, as a child, I remember him giving himself insulin shots and always had problems with circulation in his legs, always wore the stockings and stuff. But then as he got into his later years, probably the last maybe 10 or 15 years, his eyesight started to get bad, and he had went through several eye surgeries, and finally he ended up losing his ability to see. And then just as time went on, he ended up getting gangrene in one of his toes and then ended up losing his leg almost up to his hip. And then just a short while later, he lost his other leg. And I'm thinking, gosh, what a horrible way to spend your golden years, you know, not having mobility, lost both of your legs, not having your eyesight. And, and I can only imagine that there had to have been some really dark moments, some really difficult times when you're sitting there by yourself, not having the ability to see and knowing that I don't have the ability to get around. I'm dependent upon my wife because I don't have legs. I can only imagine that there had to be some real hard conversations with himself that said, if I only would have or could have or should have, that if I would have just chose to eat differently, my existence would be different. And my diet was nothing more than a choice or a discipline for myself to make. It was within my power to eat the right things. For that matter, if he would have just been a meat eater, not to say it would have been the healthiest thing, but if he would have been a protein meat eater rather than all the carbs and the sugars and all the junk food that he liked, he wouldn't have been in the position that he was. But once again, it's a matter of choice or decision in the diet that we have. And depending on it, whatever your diet is determines the health of your livelihood. And so with that being said, I want us to spend some time in Hebrews this morning. And this is where we're going to begin to establish our foundation as we begin to look at being a meat eater. The Apostle Paul, he's ministering to the church and he's sharing some things with them. And upon sharing some things with him, he finally gets to a point where he says, you know what, I, I have much to say. He said, it's hard to explain. He says, but you have become dull in hearing. So in other words, he's saying, there's some deeper stuff. There's some more things that I have in my heart to share with you. You just don't have the ability to receive it. Verse 12, it goes on to say, it says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles or the oracles of God, that you have come to need milk and not solid food, or one translation says meat. He says, rather than eating meat, you have need of milk. 
verse 13 says, For everyone who partakes of only milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a baby or a babe. But solid food or meat belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason... uh, by reason, use uh, a reason of use, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So, notice what he's saying here. He's saying there is a spiritual diet that you can partake of, and he says because you're not maturing or growing, he said all you're able to do is receive milk. But he also makes an identification. He says, you know what? He says, you've been around the block for a while now. He says, you ought to have been in a position where you can start teaching other people and helping them get out of the ruts of life that they're in, but you're still there. He said, you should be able to partake of some meat, but you're just drinking milk. And he says, when you're able to partake of meat, and it has the ability to guard or exercise your senses and be able to discern the difference between what is right and what is wrong. Amen? Based upon your growth, he also says, based upon your ability or your maturing process, it determines how you hear. Isn't that interesting? He says, depending on how mature you are, it has the ability to affect the way that you hear. And the way that you hear determines how you process things, and it determines how you make decisions. Have you ever noticed that when your children were younger, for those of you that still have young kids, I've I've got three children all under the age of 12 And in those younger years, have you ever noticed that it requires more direction and correction than it does as they get older, right? As they get older, they begin to mature. They're able to process some things. They're able to reason some things. They're able to have learned from some mistakes and learned from some wisdom. And therefore, you don't have to continually correct or direct. And do you know what I'm saying when I say correct? I'm not necessarily talking about discipline or beating a kid. You know what I'm saying? Just giving correction. You're correcting wrong behavior, right? And so God's saying the same thing here. He says, the more mature that you get, the less correction and the direction that is needed. You know, my youngest daughter, we just had a conversation last night. And uh, my youngest daughter, she's 10 years old. And she tends to be the strong-headed one out of all of our children. And so two days ago, uh, I asked her to take the dog out to go potty. And it wasn't her day. You know, they have a little dog. His name's Buddy. And so they rotate days in taking care of him. Well, uh, Grayson, she wasn't able to get to the dog or something. So I asked Addison. I said, can you please take care of the dog and take him out to go potty? She goes, well, it's not my day. I said, I know it's not your day. I said, but can you just help me out and take the dog out? She said, all right. And I said, now make sure he does both his business. I said, stay out there until he's done. Well, so she comes back in, and it's lickety-splick. And I said, did, she, did, did Buddy go potty, and did he take care of everything? 
Well, no, he just had to do the one and he just was ready to come back in. I said, no, I told you to stay out there until he was done. (laughs) So she takes the dog out. She finally comes back in. I said, did he take care of business? Yes, he took care of business. He did his thing. I'm like, okay, see, I told you. So then yesterday was her day, and so therefore the morning came. We fed the dogs, time to take the dog out. And I said, now, Addison, make sure he takes care of both things, take care of his business, all right? So she comes back in, lickety-split, and I said, did he take care of business? She says, no, he just wanted to come back in. I said, didn't I tell you to stay out there until he took care of his things? He'll go if you stay out there. So she goes back out, huffing and puffing, comes back in. I said, did he go? Yes, he went again, all right? And I said, okay. And so then last night, time to get ready for bed. I said, okay, take Buddy out one last time before everybody turns in and make sure he takes care of his business. Both. So she goes out, lickety-split, comes back in. I said, did you take him out there? Did he take care of both things? She says, no. He was ready to come back in. I said, take him back. Oh, sorry to make sure. So she finally comes back in. I said, did he do it? She says, yes, he did it. And so finally, I said to her, I said, listen, I said, this is three times in a row that I've asked you and gave you direction as to what to do. And I said, and for three times, you did not listen. I said, so apparently, you don't understand what I'm telling you, and you need more practice at taking the dog out potty to do two things. I said, so... That means all next week, you're on dog duty. Well, that's not fair, Dad. It's not fair. You know, she's supposed to take it. I said, wait a minute. I said, that's not about being fair. I said, I gave you direction and tried to give you correction, but you just refused to listen. And because you didn't listen, I said, you're going to have to get some practice in. And I said, now repeat to me what I said to you. Because I'm supposed to take the dog out, go potty, both do things, man, man, man. And just kind of give me this attitude, you know, the whole time. And I said, okay. I said, you repeated very well everything that I just said to you. I said, so you have a very clear understanding. And so I said, I don't know why you got this attitude because you seem to know exactly what we're talking about and the reason, the why behind the what. And so this morning she woke up. And she's just chomping at the mouth again. She's like, well, you said... End of the week, so today's technically the end of the week, so does that mean that tomorrow it's Grayson's turn? I said, you know what, we have a real difficult time of communication here. I said, so you just got an additional half week added to it. <laughs> you know, she just, my point is this, is that, again, as a child, <laughs> a child needs direction and correction the younger that they are, Right? And the reality is, is that every child desires love, desires structure, and actually desires discipline. And when I say discipline, that doesn't mean swatting the child. Correction and direction or discipline just means helping establish habits in their life, right? And God says, this is my whole intent and my whole desire with you is that you would learn how to mature and to develop habits within your life by being a meat eater 
by not just having milk as a diet, but learning how to be a meat eater that helps you offset the temptations and the temper tantrums and and, and the bad attitudes that you want to have in life, and it will help curb those things and bring you to your senses when you need to. Well, what is the meat that he's referring to? He's talking about the Word of God. You see, you can come to church on Sunday and hear the Word of God, and if that's all that you hear as your diet is concerned, really all you're doing is partaking of milk. God says and God's desire is that we begin to have and develop a steady diet of the Word of God in our life. And as we do regularly partaking of this Word, it becomes meat. And it begins to mature us. How many of you know that just because you've been in church for a lot of years doesn't make you a mature Christian? A lot of people hang their hat on that. But there's people that have been in the church for 60 years that are spiritual babies and people that have been saved for only two years and they're spiritual giants simply because of the diet that they partook of, right? I mean, you can be 20, 30, 60, 80 years old and still be babies in God, right? And if they're babies, you know what the tendency is. Always whining and crying and complaining and throwing tantrums and always need correction and direction and, and always just kind of throwing a tantrum. And, oh, I got to serve in church today. Oh, dear God, you know, whatever it might be. Right? God wants us to begin to grow and to mature and to develop in our relationship with God. And God says that there's some things that are on the inside of us that are undone. There's things on the inside of us that there's a longing for us to experience the stability in God. There is a desire on the inside of every believer to experience a settledness and a rest. See, in the life of a child, they might act out, and obviously nobody likes correction or discipline, but every child desires a settledness or a stability in the home. They might buck against it, but they desire it because it's, it's an ex- expression of love. And whenever there is a framework or of structure and stability, it produces a peace, a confidence, and a rest. Right? And that's the heart of God, that He desires for us to come to know Him and to have confidence into Him as we begin to experience the comfort, the settledness, and the rest of God. And it comes as a result of being a meat eater. If you can, turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. I'm not going to have this on the screen. I just simply want to take the time to read it to you. Because we're going to jump around just a little bit in this chapter. But I read to you from Hebrews chapter 5. But I want to look at the chapter just before in Hebrews chapter 4 starting in verse 1. It says, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of us have seen any come short of it. 
Notice what he said. He says, there is a promise and it remains. And if you partake of this promise, you will enter into rest. It continues to go on to say here in verse 4. It says, for he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all of his works. And again in this place, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains that some must enter it, and those to whom it was first preached do not enter because of disobedience. We drop down to verse 8. For if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afford or not afterward have spoken of another day. There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. In verse 11 it says, Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. So did you notice here in these verses, just over a course of a couple verses, it has continually said there is a rest and a promise of rest that we can enter. And he says, the only reason you don't enter into rest is because of disobedience. Come on. For the next week and a half, when it comes to taking the dog potty, my middle daughter is not going to experience any rest whatsoever. (laughs) She's going to be getting some practice, right? Why? It was because of her attitude. It was because of the way she responded. It was because of not having control of her mouth. And listening to the direction and the correction, right? But God says, there is a rest that I desire for you to experience. Six times we see that God says, there is a rest for us to experience. Amen? And then it goes on to say this in verse 12. It says, for the word of God is living. Now see, now it's making a contrast. He says, this rest that I've been talking to you about is connected to the Word of God. It says, for the Word of God is living and is powerful and is sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even the division of soul and spirit and the joints and the marrow and the discerning of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open in his eyes of him to whom we must give account. So notice what he says here. Remember, he says that the Word of God or the meat has the ability to help you discern between what is right and wrong. Right here, he said that the Word of God begins to go down to the inner parts of your being. It can divide the spirit, the soul, the mind, the flesh, and it can begin to help give direction to your life. Amen? Because it's the meat. It's the meat of God's Word. And what I'm talking about, the difference between the meat of God's Word is just having a steady diet of Him feeding you rather than just getting a lukewarm, warmed-over meal, something that we hear on the radio, something that we just hear in church maybe every other Sunday. I'm talking about having a steady diet of saying, God, I want you to talk to me. And then it goes on to say here in verse 14. Verse 14, it says, Seeing then that we have a a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are with our sin. 
Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in time of help or in time of need. So notice what it says here, that Jesus himself can relate to the temptations that you've experienced. Now, once again, that's good news for you and I because so many times we look at what Jesus did and say, well, he came and was God on the earth. Well, he was God, but he was 100% flesh. He was 100% human, and the Bible says that he was tempted just like you. That's good news because God also gave us the answer as to how Jesus was able to withstand the temptations. Do you recall the Bible says that he would separate himself and go spend time with the Father? That he would separate himself and go learn in the temple. What was he learning? What was he partaking of? He was partaking of the meat of God's word. And as a result, it gave him the ability to withstand the temptations. Remember when Satan came and tempted him in the garden? What did he respond by saying? Devil, it is written. He was regurgitating the meat, if you will, and saying, this is how I overcome temptation. God already said this. Come on, there's going to be times that you experience something. In fact, I'm a, this example came to me, so forgive me if it grosses you out. But have you ever ate something that was real good and you enjoyed it, but later on it kind of messed with you? <laughs> and it's like, hmm. Something kind of came back up there. Wasn't so pleasant the second time around, but you know what I'm saying, right? Well, see, that's what happens when we allow God's Word to penetrate our heart. It doesn't give you indigestion, but it will affect your heart so that when in the time of need, His Word comes bubbling back up. And we've got an answer for the temptations that come our way. Amen? Amen. That is good. Praise the Lord. And so Jesus gave us the example. So how is it that I become a meat eater? How is it that I become an individual that partakes of God's word? Number one, we have to set time to be a meat eater. We have to set time to give ourselves the ability to partake of the word of God. Once again, Jesus is our example. And how many of you know Jesus was extremely busy? You know, he just had a little ministry going on where he was ministering to thousands and the multitudes of people uh, for, for several years, right? I mean, people were seeking him, wanting to touch him, wanting an audience with him because they needed something from him. So he was extremely busy in his ministry, but the Bible says that he still made time to get away with God. Why? Because he had a flesh that would get tired just like yours, just like mine, and he needed to be refreshed and re built up. He had an appetite just like you and I. Amen? You know, I mentioned to you earlier that there's that program, that hunting program that's called Meat Eater. And one of the things that I enjoy about it is at the end of the program, after they've went hunting, they'll take some of the meat that they harvested and they will prepare it. And the funny thing is, is that every time my wife has ever watched it with me, in fact, she even kind of got into it with me when she, she, she started watching it. And she would get to the end and she says, man, the food that he makes just looks so good. And so 
I harvested a deer just a few weeks ago. And so I started making some of those same dishes that she saw on the program. And now I gave her the opportunity. What she thought looked good, I said, hey, baby. I said, you want to be a meat eater right now? She says, no, thank you. Well, you know why she didn't want to partake of the meat that I prepared? It was because there was other options in the house. (laughs) It smells good and looks good, but you know what? I'll go ahead and I'll eat this over here. And that's the same thing with us in our relationship with God. We know that the Word of God is good. We know that it's needful. We know that it's going to help our lives. But it seems like there's all these other things and temptations and other options for us to give our time to that eats up our time. Right? And therefore, we never really truly begin to grow and to mature. And the fact of the matter is, is that there are natural hungers that we experience. You're probably saying right now, man, I wish you'd hurry up and get done preaching because I want to go have lunch. My stomach's growling. But see, just like there's a natural hunger, there's a spiritual hunger. And if you'll pay attention to it, there will be a desire to know Him. And there will be a desire to know God's Word. I won't take the time to read it, but we saw here, well, in fact, I'll read it from this I got it written down here. In Hebrews chapter 4, how do I become a meat eater? Number one, I have to establish a time to do so. Number two, I have to mix faith with the meat. In Hebrews chapter 4 verse 2, it says this, For unto us the gospel was preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not because or not being mixed with faith in them that they heard it. So in other words, you can hear the Word of God, but you've got to mix faith with the Word that you hear. Give you an example. You can come to church while the preaching is being preached. I won't point you out, but you know, there's some of you that just take a good nap when you're in church. (laughs) Right? Just close your eyes, just get a good position and just take a good nap. Well, when you take a nap in church, you don't hear the word. I mean, you might be hearing some words being talked, but you don't necessarily partake or eat of it, right? You know what I'm saying? Or maybe you have been in the position where you're reading the Bible, and as you're reading the Bible, I've done this several times where I do it often for for that matter. You've got a lot on your mind, and you're reading the Bible, and you think, dear God, I've read two chapters, and I don't remember a single word that I just read. Why? Because your brain is in three other places as you're physically reading, but it's like I did not eat any of that. I didn't ingest anything that I just read because my brain was not engaged, my heart was not engaged, I was somewhere else. But yet I know that I read two chapters, right? So I have to mix faith with my desire for the Word of God. So in other words, I can do this. God, when I go to church, God, I just pray right now that I hear what you're trying to say to me. I'm releasing my faith. When you sit down and read the Bible, You just say, God, as I read, I want you to talk to me today. I'm mixing my faith right now with the meat that I'm getting ready to eat. And as you do so, you'll find that God begins to talk to you. You're like, wow, I never saw that in the Word of God before. I didn't realize that the Bible said that. Why? Because I'm mixing my faith with the Word of God. Amen? Number three. Number three, we saw that the Word of God says to come boldly into the presence of God. Come boldly to the dinner table. 
Come boldly to God's presence. How many of you know that it's not always easy to come boldly to God? Why? Because of the temptations, the frustrations, the things that are going on in my life. If I come to church, there's a diet that I'm partaking of. But God says there's more to receive. God wants us to be a meat eater. And upon coming to God, this is what it says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 6. He says, when you come to God, He says, you'll receive mercy and you'll receive grace in time of need. So in other words, when you say, God, I don't know that I should go to church today because I'm just so overwhelmed with what's been going on in my life. God says, when you come to church, you'll receive mercy. God's not criticizing. You heard it this morning with, with our brother when he got up to exhort us this morning. He says, this isn't a judge in church, right? God wants us to experience his mercy. But then he says, not only will I give you mercy, he says, I'll give you grace. And the word grace there is defined as I will give you power beyond your ability to handle what you're going through. Amen. He says, come boldly. See, the enemy is real good at saying, listen, you've messed up. God's mad at you. Those people know what you've been doing. They're judging you. Why go to church? God says, no, I want to give you mercy. And I want to help you. I want to give you strength. I want to give you the ability to face the obstacles that you're going through. So come boldly to receive from me. As I said, there is a spiritual craving, craving, but that answer can only be answered by the meat of God's word. And then lastly this, as we come into God's presence, we saw in Hebrews chapter 4, he said, the reason you can come boldly is because I've given you a promise. And the promise that I've given you is one of rest. One that is of peace of mind. One that is to help you receive comfort simply by being a meat eater. This holiday, if you're a partaker of turkey, meat eater, there is something that is called, was it tryptophan? Inside of the meat that you're getting ready to eat. And you know what happens when you eat that and that tryptophan starts to work on the inside? You start to get real sleepy and real relaxed and like, I'm ready for a nap. And if you'll be like me, you'll take a nap. <laughs> God's word is that same way. As you partake of his word, it has the ability to give you rest. God, your word says, there is a promise that you've given me. There is a promise of rest. And all I've got to do is adjust my diet. Can we stand? With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask you the question that you can just have personal examination with. How is the rest in your life? 
Have you been carrying about turmoil? Have you been carrying just grief? Maybe sorrow. Maybe there's just some emotional things going on in your life. How is your rest? Because if you're not in rest, I can guarantee you that is not the will of God for your life. And what you're experiencing in your life is not from God. For God says, I've given you a promise that you can experience my rest. And so the next question is, is what has been your diet? What have you been eating? What have you been making room for in your life that is giving place to and allowing that unsettledness to remain in your life? Because God says, if you'll partake of the meat of my word, it will speak to your heart. It will begin to give direction. It will begin to help you discern what is right and what is wrong, what is good and what is evil. The direction of God for your life. And it will produce peace. Peace of mind. Peace in a marriage. Peace in a family. Peace at the workplace. Peace in your church. Peace within your body. He says, if you'll be a meat eater, you'll find that the Spirit of God begins to work. And you'll sense that there is a rest and a comfort that begins to overwhelm and envelop your life. Again, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here this morning, and rather than me going through different things and scenarios of what you might be experiencing, it's easier for me just to say, who wants rest? Who wants to have rest in your mind? Rest in your body? Who wants to experience that peace within your marriage and in your life? If that's you this morning, nobody's looking around, nobody's judging. But I just want you to acknowledge saying, today I want the promise. I want His rest. Would you just raise your hand? Hands all over. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. You can put them down once you put them up. I think I've counted 14. Anybody else in here? If I didn't see your hand, could you raise your hand? If you didn't put it up already, say, man, I want the rest of God. Amen. So here's what we do. First of all, we just say, okay, God, it's a promise. If it's a promise, then I'm going to receive my promise right now because it, it's mine. But then secondly, we're going to make the choices to do just what we said. I'm going to make time for God. I'm going to mix my faith with God. And then I'm just going to enter into His rest. Because His Word will begin to direct me in the decisions and the affairs of my life. Amen? Are you ready to receive your rest? Because it's yours. It belongs to you if you're a child of God. In fact, for that matter, if you're not a child of God, if you've never received Christ into your life, all you simply got to do is simply say, God, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and my Savior. I want you in my life right now. I want a new beginning. And if you just pray something similar to that, God says, I'll answer that prayer right now. You don't have to come up front. You don't have to be all churchy, religious, or do whatever. All you got to do is say, Jesus, I'm ready. And He'll come and fill you and flood your heart. 
So if in this moment you did that, welcome to the family. So let's partake of our rest. Amen. I'm going to pray over you. And when I do, you just reach out by faith and say, I receive it in Jesus' name. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray over these individuals right now. Everyone that has raised their hand, everyone that wanted to but didn't, Father, in Jesus' name, you said that there is a promise of rest to experience. And therefore, if it, <coughs> if it is a promise, that means it belongs to us right now. And so we step forward, we lean into the promise of God and say, we receive it now. We heard the meat of your word, and therefore we purpose right now to be meat eaters and say, God, I receive my rest. So we declare that there is rest and peace in the mind. Rest and peace in your physical body. Rest and peace in your marriage, your family, in the workplace. In Jesus' name, we thank you for rest. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. subscribe to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites which can be found at our website gvchurch.tv we know that today's message has been a blessing to you thanks for listening we are genesee valley church loving god loving people and loving life